Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Friday. We made it. Today is Friday, September 30th. Today is episode number 209. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can we do with this information to reduce risk for our organizations? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, how you can just destroy the interviewers minds with your knowledge base. Shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into absolute turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Trust me, you don't want your boss having tummy troubles because of a ransomware incident. Have the, uh, the salve that is Barricade Cyber to help you out with that. Also want to give a shout out to the stream's other sponsor, Recon InfoSec. Recon InfoSec's Managed Detection and Response, MDR, offering includes the people, the process, the technology, full stack, needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the ReconSoft team. Check out Recon InfoSec if you're interested in looking for an MDR. It's a security company run by security people. It's uh, I stand by it. I wouldn't let someone, I wouldn't let someone sponsor the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing if I didn't believe in them. I want to remind you if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs or CEUs for my European friends, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, ten a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat so you can document literally the easiest. And I would argue with anyone, the most easy way to uh, capture CPEs. If you're live, love it. Can't wait to get going. Friday, right? It's Friday. <laughs> Listen, I love I love uh, engaging with you all live in chat. Thanks so much for being here. Hit a hashtag team live in chat, if you will, just to say what's up. If you want to push, help push uh, the Daily Cyber Threat Brief in front of more eyes and get this community, get this Friday party rocking, Go ahead, take 10 seconds and hit the like button. Uh, if we get enough likes on YouTube, I'm not sure exactly what the details are, but it pushes us up onto people's front page. So they're like, oh, what is this? Let's see what let's see what's happening at 8 a.m. Eastern time on a Friday regarding cybers. If you're watching on replay, I love it. Thank you so much. Hit hashtag team replay in comments so you can get credit, uh, undisputable credit for the, um, for the stream. I just got like a, I just got like a, Microsoft Office pop up to log in. I'm sure that's I'm sure that's legitimate. Um, so if you're watching on replay and you want to jump straight to the news, go for it. Uh, but if you're with us live right now, you know what we're about to do. We are going to be hanging out for two, three minutes, saying good morning, getting our coffee, getting settled into our seats, uh, and then we'll get started with the news. So hello, thank you, Philip Martin. 
Yeah, guys, I hope you like it. One of the changes that I've made to Simply Cyber in the last two weeks, and I'm sure if you're a regular, you know this, and if you're new here, well, <laughs> welcome to the party. Uh, instead of doing the same song every morning, I try to, um, I basically pick walk-on music that I'm feeling, whether it's relevant, like uh, on Monday coming back from a long weekend and having like Ready or Not, Here I Come, or, you know, this is how we do it, you know, on a Friday, right? I'm trying to trying to have uh, some fun, man. You know, good morning from Bolivia. Hey, Alex Luna. Morning, folks. This is how we do it, Jack. You know it. Danielle in the house. Bernice, good to see you guys. BSEC, thanks so much. Uh, shout out and, and much love to all the mods on the Discord server. If, you, if you're not on the Simply Cyber Discord server, uh, you can go to discord.gg slash simplycyber and get on there or at exclamation point Discord in chat to get a link. But uh, we got hit with spammers last night on the Discord server, and the mods swooped in like a, um, I don't know, like a Special Forces IR team and just cleared it all out. I've got to make some permission changes in there today after the stream. But thank you, mods. I love what you guys do. I appreciate it. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, what's up, Ms. Julian? Yeah, the storm is hitting uh, the low country right now. If you guys don't know where I physically live. Uh, minor doxing myself here, but there is a Hurricane Ian, more of a tropical storm right now that is right out my window. <laughs> uh, so we're dealing with that, but I'm okay. Everything's fine here. Play Friday by Rebecca Black. Yep, that could, that's next Friday. Mm. Hey, Joel Belton, good to see you. Haircut Fish. Guys, I hope you crushed your cyber goals this week, whether it was interviewing and killing that, starting your new job, Devin. We saw that uh, this week. Devin came in and Shared is good news. Uh, if you got an interview next week, you know, good luck to y'all. Um, very happy. Super pumped for this community, guys. We're making waves. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, so last night, if you didn't catch it, we had Charles Finfrock, the Charles Finfrock of, of crypto evangelism. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That Charles Finfrock was on, and um, we did a great show on surveillance capitalism. So if you're into that, come check it out. Um, we, we really did it. It was good. I loved it. All right, guys. It looks like we're just about here. Remember, it is Friday, so at the halfway point, we will be doing the grace and joke of the week. So stay tuned for that. That is a fun Friday activity that we like to do. All right, y'all. Let's get into the news. Good morning. I'll, I'll hang out with you on the back half of the show. I want to keep it to the 45 minutes. Let's do it. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, September 30th, 2022. Finnish intelligence warns that Russia is highly likely to turn to cyber this winter. The head of the Finnish Security Intelligence Service, SUPO, SUPO, says it is, quote, highly likely that Russia will turn to the cyber environment over the winter, end quote, for espionage due to challenges impacting its human intelligence work. In the Unclassified National Security Overview 2022, published on Thursday, Supo said that Russia's traditional intelligence-gathering approach, using spies with diplomatic cover, has, quote, become substantially more difficult since Russia launched its war of aggression in Ukraine, since many Russian diplomats have been expelled from the West, end quote. Supo assessed that Russian citizens who occupied critical positions in Finland were particularly at risk of coercion from the Russian authorities. Uh, yeah, okay, so this is going to suck, right? We we know about this uh, Russian-Ukrainian conflict that's been going on. Obviously, guys, um, when it turns to wintertime, uh, you know, 
it, it gets really cold up there, especially, you know, where Finn, I mean, this is the Finnish intelligence, but it's not like only Finland's going to be targeted. Uh, it, it really, in my opinion, would be focused on Ukraine and the efforts there. Uh, Russia started out with a strong cyber uh, kind of open volley, if you will, the Queen's Gambit at the beginning of the conflict in March, and uh, quickly turned to traditional kinetic uh, modern warfare of boots on ground and train full of munitions and armament coming in. Uh, so as it begins to snow, obviously it's going to be soldiers going to be freezing cold. They're already doing conscription. And from what I've heard coming out of there, you know, they don't really have supplies to give to the soldiers that they have to like BYOD, like their own first aid kits and, um, you know, sanitary pads for clogging up bullet holes and stuff like that. So I don't think that they have, um, you know, a great solution for keeping soldiers warm. I don't think that they have a great solution for traversing difficult terrain, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, cyber war, even if they weren't great at it, uh, cyber war would seem like an obvious um, solution or, or way to keep up the, uh, the fight, if you will. The one thing that I think is really uh, pressing or, you know, germane here to discuss is in 2014, Russia was able to successfully knock out Ukraine's power uh, on Christmas Day. And I think it was only out for a little bit. Like, the they were able to get it back up, the Ukrainians. But, you know, for a few hours there, people were freezing cold, right? They, you know, they only had the heat they had in their house when the power went off, and then they slowly started losing heat. This could turn into, like, a humanitarian crisis. I, I don't even... I laugh because it's so unbelievable. Like, if if... If power gets shut off in the dead of winter for anybody, Ukraine or Russia, right, or, or Finland or any of these individuals, countries, um, it's not going to take long, guys. I mean, the weather will effectively be a, 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 an ally of or an adversary of whomever gets their power knocked out. And we know a lot from what we've seen through ThreatGen and talking with Dragos and and you know, all this stuff, OTICS stuff is not super, it's secure. It's not, it's, 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 it's very integrated into IT in 2022, but there's a lot of opportunity to manipulate and cause problems in OTICS environments. And I just fear that one day the story of the briefing is going to be talking about a humanitarian crisis around cyber knocking out power in Ukraine. I hope it doesn't turn to that uh, but that's immediately where my mind goes. A, a really sour note to start the show off on. Uh, but let's keep an eye on this one and hope hope that, um, you know, kind of the allied forces, for lack of a better term, can hold together and, and um, make sure that, you know, something awful does not happen. Researchers uncover covert attack campaign targeting military contractors. The campaign singled out multiple military and weapons contractor companies with spear phishing emails to trigger a multi-stage infection process designed to deploy an unknown payload on compromised machines. The highly targeted intrusions, dubbed Steep Maverick, with a pound sign in between, Steep Pound Maverick, also targeted a strategic supplier to the F-35 Lightning II fighter aircraft. Starting in late summer of this year, the infection chains began with a phishing email with a zip archive attachment containing a shortcut file that claims to be a PDF document about, quote, company and benefits, end quote. This is then used to retrieve a stager, which is used to download the desired malware from a remote server. Jesus. The IRS. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, guys, you know I love a good graphic, okay? I, I do love a good graphic. 
I don't think I've seen an eight stage, um, <laughs> an eight stage malware chain. I mean, good grief! This is hardcore, man. Um, okay, so even though this story sounds uh, boogeyman-ish and very scary, obviously, I would say this is nation state espionage. They're targeting uh, military contractors and you know F thirty five plans. Uh, guys, I've talked about this on the channel multiple times, and it's it, I'll spend you know ten seconds refreshing everybody. Um, information it's it's called cybersecurity for marketing purposes. It's information security, right? That's a, what it used to be. So we're protecting information. When you develop technologies, when you develop weapons, right, like the F thirty five. Right, that takes years of R and D, research and development. You have to have the money to fund that program. Scientists and researchers don't work for free, and you have to have um, the the right people. Right, you could have all the money in the world if you don't have the people who know how to do the research and develop, you know, aeronautical engineering type stuff. You're not going to get any further. Right, so all that takes time and money. That's a huge capital investment into this project. So your choices, if you're another state without an F-35, is do the same thing, years, experience, trial and error, or steal it. This one, stealing it, takes far less time, far less money, and is far more effective. I don't care if it's the F-35 or it's the COVID vaccine or if it's Coke's secret formula. It doesn't matter, right? You, it, it, This is why espionage is a thing. This to me is clear espionage. Now let's just look at this, right? It's got eight stages of payload. It might as well be like that that meme with the Uno cards, like draw twenty five. It's like <laughs> draw sta eight stage payloads. But guys, this is nothing more than what we see all the time: phishing email with a zip file, so it gets through the filters. Company link with something appealing. Someone launches it. They get a C two loader. Their machine is initially compromised, and this whole thing in the middle, this blue eight stage you know, uh, mousetrap, um, Rube Goldberg machine here. Um, it just does the second stage exploitation. And then there you go. We've got Xfil to the server. Okay. That's all, that's all it is. So here's, here's the TLDR. Like, even though this is wicked sophisticated, configure your, what, what your mail gateways so fishes don't come in. Educate your end users not to click on company and benefits. Install a firewall in DNS resolution or in DNS if this did use DNS. Um, and configure your firewalls. Get real time threat intelligence firewalls like Wildfire from Palo Alto or something like that. So the state, the C2 server isn't even reachable. This middle part, have EDR running. Don't allow your, your end users, don't allow Carl. Carl, come here, Carl. Don't allow Carl to run PowerShell on his, on his machine. He doesn't need to. Okay. I mean, there's, there's multiple defense and depth opportunities here to not get compromised. And I got to tell you, man, if you're a company or if you're a person that has F-35 Lightning II fighter aircraft stuff on your machine. Oh, it was a strategic supplier to the F-35. Okay. So they were going up the supply chain still. CMMC, the dream of CMMC was supposed to fix this, but um, anyways, long story short, defense in depth, best practices, educate your end users regularly. Don't be, don't, don't be this guy, <laughs> you know, that, that's it. Warns off industrial scale smishing surge. 
In a news alert released yesterday, the tax agency said it had identified thousands of fake domains so far in 2022 used to facilitate the so-called smishing scams and designed to steal victims' personal and financial information. Spoofed to appear as if sent from the IRS, these text messages often use lures like fake COVID relief, tax credits or help setting up an IRS online account. They might request personal information or covertly download malware to the user's device by tricking them into clicking on a malicious link. IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddig said, quote, this is phishing on an industrial scale, so thousands of people can be at risk of receiving these scam messages. Yeah. Oh End quote. God. Oh, my God. I just spilled my coffee cup all over my desk, all over my floor. Good thing I don't use sugar anymore. But, geez. Okay, so this is this is live. Um, I'll deal with this later. Uh, just like light a match and throw it. Just we'll start fresh on Monday. Um, okay. So check it out. IRS warns of industrial scale smishing two things here. One, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there, I, I wanted to send a message out and I ran out of time yesterday. As far as I know, there has been an uptick in activity in the last 48 to 72 hours of smishing around what I would suspect is a uh, business email compromise. I know, um, Simply Cyber community members had incidents at their business places. My phone has been blowing up. Hey, like, are you there? Did you see the email from my secretary? Like, if you're getting these text messages, they're a fish. Make sure you educate your end users. Now, to, to this point, this is the story. I, I have no doubt this is going to be the end user story for the newsletter on Monday. Spoiler alert. This is such a good opportunity because everybody, at least in the United States, should be filing their taxes at the, um, you know, I mean, we're kind of early for tax season, but everybody knows the IRS. Everybody, you know, um, is, there's a recession going on, money's tight, so people are hyper aware of it. If you're getting text messages from the IRS, you might fall for this and get screwed. So this is an opportunity to educate about smishing, to question um, the the sender of the messages, to explain to them how you know, uh, data breaches can lead to you being a target for a smishing attack. Uh, just, just educate people. Um, not to say that older people are a more vulnerable population, but it would seem to indicate that older people are more likely to fall for these type of attacks than um, people who are like 25 to 45. Uh, obviously, kids may not have a fish. I mean, may not have a phone, so they're not going to get hit. Uh, they may not understand IRS, but educate your end users. And this is, the, guys, I always love capitalizing on the opportunities where it, it, it can resonate with the individual personally and they can share it with their loved ones. Like if I send this to my Aunt Donna and tell her like, hey, listen, this thing's a thing. Like tell, tell your circle of friends so they don't get um, caught or, or victimized. You know, she'll do it and, and you make it in a way that it can be shared you know, without having have much explanation put into it. Um, and now, you know, Aunt Donna becomes a security champion, right? And and she's more she's more bought into the idea of being part of the pro security team instead of just a bystander who happens to be a recipient of some security services from time to time. You see what I'm saying? It's it's all a it's 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 a much more complicated play than just sending them an email. It's about helping them um, change their mindset and be part of the solution, an active participant. New malware backdoors VMware ESXi servers to hijack virtual machines. 
Hackers have found a new method to establish persistence on VMware ESXi hypervisors to control oh vCenter servers and virtual machines for Windows and Linux while avoiding detection. With the help of malicious vSphere installation bundles, an attacker is now able to install two backdoors on the bare metal hypervisor that researchers have named Virtual Pita and Virtual Pi. Researchers also uncovered a unique malware sample that they called Virtual Gate, which includes a dropper and a payload. This attack requires the threat actor to have admin-level privileges to the hypervisor, and while this may appear to lower the risk, adversaries often lurk on the victim network, waiting for an opportunity to reach valuable assets or extend their presence. Yeah. Okay, so... If you're running... Um, if you're running VMware, ESXi is your hypervisor. There we go, there's a nice graphic. Love me some graphics. <laughs> this one's kind of basic, but... Um, if you're using ESXi hypervisors, basically this just means that you're hosting your own kind of internal cloud. You have VMs, servers that are virtualized, you have services that are virtualized, and it's like in one stack, right? And this allows you, it's be, dude, a hypervisor is kind of the precursor to, to cloud services, right? It's, it's basically like cloud on-premise, right? Okay, so that's, that's what that is, if you guys don't know. Anyways, obviously, um, if the the cool thing is if like if a if a machine gets compromised in the in the in the hypervisor you can just restore from a previously known good instance you can blow it away you can just stand up a new one like no big deal right if the ESXi hypervisor gets compromised as in this uh discussion they're talking about where they say bare metal right if that gets compromised you're screwed because it, it's it's like going up the chain um and you're at the or maybe down the chain, right? Like you're at the root of it, not one of these extended uh, leaves off the node, or not off the node, leaves off the, off the, I'm doing a terrible job now about this. Like basically the ESXi hypervisor is, is the back end and these VMs, which, you know, you can blow away and stuff like that. This compromises that. So all I would say is if you're running, this might be a good one for peers. I, and when I say peers, it's really turning into like, conversations that infosec people can have with it people i'm always thinking of bsec about these things so if you're running esxi um you would want to share this with your it people um don't come in chicken little style and be like ah we've got to verify virtual PETA and virtual pi are not on our hypervisors just make them aware that this attack is out there um really in my opinion the way that we would want to best protect or best approach this is really focused on uh, user credentials, user access. Like, you really don't need to be like messing with the hypervisor regularly, just like you don't really need to be messing with AD domain schema regularly. So you don't need to be logged in with the super user account. I don't know what it is in hypervisor, but I'm sure there's some type of domain admin level, you know, account on the hypervisor. So have have that account not be logged into normally restrict the permissions down because basically for this for this to work the threat actors have to have that hypervisor admin level permissions to get these uh, python scripts to to run correctly or to execute in whatever context they needed to but i'm just telling you guys if you got a hypervisor and it gets compromised at the root level you it's not going to be a good situation because it's typically it's typically your whole like critical IT infrastructure is is going to be hosted up in there, um, and bringing that down is going to suck. Yeah, you can see here admin level privileges to the hypervisor. So just make sure 
um, you share this with your IT people. There may be some indicators of compromise that you could pull. Um, Mandian did the report and you could see here, you could pull this from the news story. If you do exclamation point um, news, I think, uh, I forget what the, um, the command is to, to get the news stories. But basically, if you go to sysoseries.com and you, you find this particular story, you can find the uh, IOCs. But just if you're running VMware ESXi, be mindful of this, okay? Let's, let's listen to the read. Thanks to today's episode's sponsor, Vojiro. Can you trust that your content and data is free of malware and ransomware? With Vojiro, you can. Vojiro removes evasive and unknown malware from content in milliseconds without impacting file fidelity or usability. It even works on password-protected and zipped files, plus it's an API, so it integrates with everything, including Microsoft 365. You can learn more at votiro.com. That's V-O-T-I-R-O.com. All right. So that's the read. Let's just take a hot minute here, as we tend to do at the halfway point, because we've got the Grayson joke of the day. All right. Here we go. Oh, I forgot to do this. I always do this at the at the halfway point there. All right. So Grayson joke of the day. Okay. Hold on. Let me get this audio right. All right. So, guys, really quickly, um, the Grayson joke of the day I wanted to share with you guys. Grayson told me last night. He said, Dad, the joke of the day. I wanted to, I've got a great joke about a sloth, Dad. But I don't know if we can do it for the show because it will take way too long to tell. That's the joke of the day. Thank you so much, Grayson. Definitely appreciate it get some mario coins for you there grayson all right guys i hope you enjoy grayson's joke of the day guys if you want to get the newsletter that i send out money i monday i will be uh drafting it after i fix the permissions in the discord server but before i punch out for the day um you can go to this url in yellow simply cyber.io slash newsletter um i send an email me that has three actionable intel items for you to take advantage of and you can immediately reduce cyber risk to your organization. I, I cut out all the editorial, all the mincing, all that stuff, and it's literally just, here's, here's a very brief, like one sentence of the story, and then here is exactly what you need to do. Contact these people, say this. Craft a, a slide for your executives and say this, and, and, and what the impact will be for you, okay? <clears throat> Yeah, my, my, my desk does have all the coffee. I do have a, come on, like I am, I am coming correct. I will tell you as far as coffee goes though, um, I got to contact Deadwood, South Dakota and find out what the, <laughs> find out what the coffee situation is. If I'm going to go out to Dead, uh, Deadwood, I, I got to continue to do show from Deadwood, right? Live on, on location. We'll talk about that in the, uh, We'll, we'll talk about that at, after the, the news stories. Okay, let's get back into the news, guys. Thank you very much. I hope your Friday is going excellent. Let's get back into the news. The UN elects first female tech agency secretary general. Doreen Bogdan Martin has become the first woman to be elected as secretary general of the International Telecommunication Union, ITU, the main technology agency within the UN. Originally founded in 1865 to manage the first international telegraph networks, the ITU now has an important role in facilitating the use of radio, satellite and the internet, including assigning satellite orbits globally, coordinating technical standards and improving infrastructure in the developing world. 
Brave. Wow, that happened quickly, right? So we just talked about this story um, earlier this week uh, about the president or secretary general of the ITU. I believe this is the same one. It was a uh, a Russian um, fella, and then I guess Doreen Bogdan Martin here. Uh, and we had some concern that if Russia, you know, won the secretary general of the ITU, how some of the policies being made might favor Russia's military agenda. Um, so th- it seems that that obviously did not happen here. Um, yeah, here it is. She beat Russian rival Rashid Asmalov by, um, wow, she kicked his butt. 139 votes to 25. Well done. Well done, uh, Doreen. So anyways, um, you know, this is kind of a macro level geopolitical thing. We'll see what happens. Remember, the ITU is basically, it's kind of like the UN's policymakers, and they're beginning to look at the internet as a global resource. I mean, which it is, but you know how policymakers and bureaucrats are. They move slow. So they're beginning to look at it as instead of like U.S. policy for internet usage and, you know, uh, European Union policy, they're looking at like global policy the same way. um, I think the easiest um, uh, analogy would be the way that we look at um, international norms for acts of war, right? So if, I mean, if Russia were to invade Ukraine and start shooting, that would be seen as a clear act of war. And now you're in an armed conflict. Um, but if you're um, Russia and you just knock out Ukraine's power, uh, that does not qualify as an act of war, surprisingly. So there are, inter- and, and by the way, this international norms, all the countries at the UN um, agree to all these rules, right? So, you know, you can have your national rules, but then there is a global community that you're part of. This this woman right now is in charge of uh, leading this this body in defining international norms for the internet. So that's that's what's going on here. Browser will start blocking annoying cookie consent banners. These notifications are incredibly annoying, but have become necessary to do business online to comply with data protection regulations like GDPR. In some cases, however, these banners can serve as trackers themselves as they engage in a privacy-breaching data exchange before the user even has a chance to opt out. Brave will now proactively detect and block the cookie consent banners, removing both a distraction and a potential privacy risk for users. The rollout of the new system will begin in Brave Nightly 1.45, scheduled for release in October, and will gradually pass to the stable version on Windows and Android, and iOS will follow soon after. Cool. So, yeah, cookies, you know, all this privacy stuff, you know, it was it was a great idea, but, I mean, who doesn't... Like, you go to any web page and you get this, like, huge pop-up, typically, or, the, you know, some kind of annoying thing about cookies, and then the way that capitalists have implemented them it's like i mean everybody's dealt with this right you get the pop-up and it's like accept all cookies um like leave the website which is not going to happen because you're there for a reason or like choose which cookies you want and when you do that there's no standard or norm for like what the cookies are i've tried a couple times to choose my cookies and it's like entering a fun house like a mirrored fun house like you have no idea where you're going what you're clicking on you're 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 me personally, I've done it twice. I've gotten so frustrated that I just went back and accepted all cookies. Um, so I don't even like, I, you know, whatever. So Brave is the privacy focus browser. It's making a hard push to 
become mainstream adopted. Let me know in chat if you're using Brave, if you like Brave. I'm on Chrome and I, I, I kind of want to get off of it, but I'm so locked in with some of the features like the, you know, my, like my password vault manager extension and, and some of my extensions make my, and just, I'm kind of hooked into Chrome right now. It's got its, it's got its hooks into me. Uh, but let me know if you like Brave. Brave is coming up with this easy cookie list thing uh, that basically blocks it by default. I do find it hilarious um, and somewhat comical that the cookies are there to tell you about tracking uh, and allow you to choose. But because the cookie's there, it is tracking already before you even opt in or opt out. So it's like very meta that the thing that's there to allow you to choose whether you're tracked is actually tracking you, whether you like it or not. Privacy advocates want the FTC to take on invasive daycare apps. The Federal Trade Commission should review privacy and security concerns with daycare and early education apps, the Electronic Frontier Foundation urged in a letter to the agency on Wednesday. The letter builds on the EFF Director of Engineering Alexis Hancock's research, which uncovered a variety of security concerns, including the insecure cloud storage of photos of children. Security researchers have found that more than half of the 42 apps they looked at did not disclose the use of third-party trackers. The FTC is tasked with enforcing the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which controls what data companies can collect from children under 13. However, because daycare apps are collecting children's data directly from parents and daycare providers, those protections have limited application. Okay, so a couple things here. And one, to start off before we get into the privacy and the, the tracking and all that, third-party shares, um, can we just all agree... I, like, I want to know in chat, you let me know, like, see these blocks, the green and the blue? What came first? The Microsoft, uh, like, you know how Microsoft used to have, like, standard kind of icons for people? Uh, I feel like it was in the Windows uh, 7 days, Windows XP days, right? It looks just like these. Like, I'm, I, like, I looked at it, like, Jesus, I wonder if Microsoft made those icons based on this, these wooden blocks, or if these wooden blocks were made after that. But that, it is a dead ringer for those icons, if you know what I'm talking about. Now, let's talk about this, guys. All right, so I have kids in school. Um, there are apps that allow you to kind of easily communicate with uh, teachers. You know, field day, they take pictures and they send it kind of in a private channel. Okay, the idea behind it is cool and it's good. You're more involved as a parent, which we've seen more and more um, in the United States uh, than we've ever seen before. Like the level of involvement of parents and their kids' uh, education and, and um, engagement is huge, especially for, for fathers. Um, in the last 40 years. But, and by the way, like mothers were already always engaged. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying fathers have increased their activity. You have, you don't have to opt in, but in this story, they're saying certain daycares require you to opt in. Now you're faced with a challenge. Like you got to get your kid into a daycare, at least at where I live, it's highly competitive. Like you have six to eight to nine months. Like some people like wait lists, people find out they're pregnant and then immediately get on a wait list because it's that in demand. And then like the good ones, you're never going to get into, right? So then you have to, so you have to make this decision where the daycare says you have to opt into this or else you can't be here as part of our daycare. So now you're forcing the issue with them. They said that they've studied 42 different apps right here. And many of them didn't disclose third-party trackers, which I'm not going to fault. I mean, we live in a surveillance capitalism society with data being sucked everywhere. So, you know, it's not good. My concern is around the photos of the children and where those are being placed and the security of those, because that's really creepy and, and not cool. I don't want my, 
my kids pictures being like lurked at uh you know at all ever let alone that i don't know about um so i can take them down so i i find it interesting to me the final thing i'll say about this is the daycare apps they're they're purpose built they're focus driven to do what they do and security it's it's first to market kind of things right it's 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 all about the you know the branding does it look cool are the features cool and then a little bit of security thrown on top i honestly i honestly feel that this daycare app is like another little niche uh that could be like iot so like a few years ago four five six years ago like at defcon it was huge like iot everything hack all the things even like a uh, a, a a woman's uh personal you know self satisfying sexual uh utility was hacked and uh made to do things right and then it got into all these questions if someone could sexually assault you remotely over bluetooth and all this but my point is this is a niche area if you're looking guys if you're looking to do some security research and get you know published and blow up go viral or whatever this is a hotbed right here of activity of of opportunity for you to look at but i will say this be mindful because you may actually find vulnerabilities on in uncover um like leaky s3 buckets that are hosting pictures of kids but now you're dealing with pictures of kids and that's a really murky area that you don't want to be mislabeled of what your findings are and everything like that. But anyways, I think that this is an area of opportunity for security research. If you if you did it in a coordinated, responsible way. I don't know if any of these apps do bug bounty, uh, but you know, that's something to look into. Pentagon bug bounty program yields results. Following up on a story we brought you in July, the Pentagon's bug bounty program, Hack US or Hack Us, uncovered 349 actionable reports. Melissa Weiss, director of the DOD's Vulnerability Disclosure Program, said an initial evaluation of the program's results found that the most commonly identified vulnerability was categorized as information disclosure. The other top flaws discovered through the effort included improper access and generic SQL injection. Today's the big... All right, cool. So, dude, I love this. I didn't know that the Pentagon... Um bug bounty program was going on right now. We've seen this in a couple different areas. There's hack the Air Force, hack a satellite, hack the Pentagon. Uh, bug bounties have proven to be wildly successful. Um, and, you know, if you don't know, a bug bounty is a program where businesses or, you know, the Pentagon opt in and they give defined um, resources that can be attacked, right? So you can attack this network segment, you can attack these web apps, whatever. Don't touch these ones over here. And security researchers, me and you, right? You don't you don't have to be like elite level hacksaw. You can be anyone. And you can try to attack these things, uncover vulnerabilities, disclose them responsibly to, you know, usually the bug bounty program will act on your behalf and coordinate with the Pentagon in this case. And uh, you'll get paid, right? So it's a win because the Pentagon or the the business only pays if vulnerabilities are found. They paid seventy five thousand dollars in total bounties. That doesn't even pay for one, re, uh, you know, contractor if they were to hire someone to do it. But instead, they got you know a bunch of people who found three hundred and forty nine different actionable uh, vulnerabilities. So this is a really good one. I'd love to see, um, you know. By the way. This Pentagon one is likely not open to everybody just because of the sensitivity of the target. I was speaking about bug bounties in general, right? So you can go and 
Office Max is probably there or Netflix or something like that. But the Pentagon is probably cherry picking and specifically inviting certain security researchers to help them. Um, shout out to Jason Haddix, who's like a really, really great um, you know, security researcher, bug bounty person, if you're looking for one to follow. Um, so anyways, I'd love to see like good, good on the Pentagon, you know, for this particular story, I'd rather talk at the macro level. I'd love to see more of this at the federal level, simply because it's, it's, it's a force multiplier on being able to actually move quickly and, and be agile with security vulnerability mitigation, instead of moving at the speed of the U S government, which, you know, it's a huge, huge, huge entity so it moves very 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 slowly right and with the way that cybersecurity is guys you can't move slow in our world you have to be nimble uh or you're going to get screwed so we, nobody nobody wants that i mean not really right so that's how that goes all right guys we got a couple minutes here my my friday send-off song here that's going to do it for the news segment of the show. I really appreciate y'all being here. I hope you're ready for your Friday. Godspeed and good wishes to everybody who's being impacted by Hurricane Ian. Hopefully the impact is minimal. I can say personally, it seems like here where I am, it's going to just be a storm. So, you know, I had some family um, message me yesterday with some concern, which I genuinely appreciate that they're concerned. And I was happy to report to them. Everything's fine. But guys, I lived in New England for 20 years. Like what's going on here is it's like when a snowstorm is coming to New England. It's like, yeah, we're going to get six inches of snow, but like, whatever. Like, I don't get out of bed for that. It's it's the same thing here. This is like a tropical storm. Like even if it was a cat one hurricane, like, Eh, like we've dealt with it, right? It's when you get into the cat threes and north of that, that you're like, okay, like let's pack up the crap and go. Uh, so anyways, that's where we're at right now. Uh, like I said, uh, we got three more minutes of the show. I'm going to hang out and chat with y'all. Then I'm going to clean up my coffee mess. Uh, but I hope you had a great time. Thank you, Claudia. Good to see you. Randall. Good to see you. I don't know if, uh, my friend Brent Gree got in here with Emerson. They're regularly Friday regulars. Yeah, Joel Belton, Jack B. Nimble, Adrian Gutierrez, good to see you. My pleasure on the episode. No bad vibes, guys. Good vibes only up in here. Cyber, coffee, Carl, good vibes and audio, right? Yeah, high twos, exactly, exactly. That's when you start watching the, the news reports and stuff like that. Florida got hammered, yes. Hey, Archangel, good to see you. Not only IT, salt and soda for the coffee. Yep, thank you. I appreciate that. We'll get this cleaned up. It wasn't much. The coffee cup is almost empty. You know, you know I'm not going to let that coffee go to waste. Come on. Like suck it out of the carpet. <laughs> oh, thank you, Michael Starnes. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Fraud Dog, my man. Have a good weekend, John Patine. Big fun. Hey, Brent Kareem. I miss you, buddy. Looking forward to our upcoming outing, my friend. L. Scott Munoz. Good to see you, Bill Green. Nathan Bolin. Guys, kill it this weekend. Like I said, if you want that newsletter from me, go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter, URL in yellow. Um, just so you know, I typically draft it on Friday evening. So if you sign up over the weekend, you're not going to get the Monday email, right? All right. Good luck, Munchkin. Lego security. Whoopsie. Yeah, we've got that. We've got the toasty. Uh, hey, shout out uh, and heads up for the squad members. If you're a squad member, you got access to the emotes. I will be adding a Charles Finfrock 
emote to the list to pair nicely with the Finfrock sounder. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. So if we get a crypto story coming through here, you'll be able to drop your Finfrock emotes. Thanks to Haircut Fish for setting us up with that. My pleasure, Cyprian Ahmad. Thank you. Thanks, Munchkin. Love it, love it, love it. Good to see you guys. Hey, all right, Information. Have an amazing weekend. Guys, stay safe. Protect your family. Do what you got to do. Yeah, Munchkin. Hey, Munchkin, I've got a video on the channel on how to destroy, absolutely destroy your first 90 days at your cyber job. Uh, I'd recommend you check it out. It's uh, it's it's good. What's up, Jim Lun? Hashtag mastermind. Mastermind uh, level like that. Yeah, Munchkin, check out the 90-day video. It's like 15 minutes, but it'll it'll it, it is one particular path to success on how to absolutely uh, like kick a hole in the door of your first 90 days. How do we use them? Lego security. I'm not sure what you mean. How do you use them? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Oh, good. Okay, good, Munchkin. I'm glad you watched it. You'll be you'll be doing it. Yeah, Shane Himes, dude. I love this song. Stealing Happy Hours, a severely deep cut song. A lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. All right. We're right here at time. I think I'm going to swim out here with Surf Wax America. All right, everybody. Be good. At the end, you mentioned bad boys. I've been binge watching. Oh, good. Good. Stay safe, everyone. Yep. All right. Looks like we're at time, guys. Thank you so much. Looking forward to the weekend, R&R. Be good. We'll talk to you on Monday, everybody, 8 a.m.